Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com slash covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com slash covered. This episode deals with serious and distressing content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, this is Beth. While I've got you, if you love How I Survived, please rate, review and subscribe. It helps other fans like you find us too. The water rose from my ankle to my knee within seconds. And I got pulled up into the water again like in a washing machine and kept tumbling and tossing and turning. And it came to a point when I thought, that's it. I have no air left. I prayed to God, please dear God, don't let me die. This is How I Survived. Stories of everyday people and how they survived against the odds. I'm your host, Beth Young. You know, am I going to die or what? I mean, I, I look back at it now and I thought, you know, how did I ever survive that? I think that I probably survived for a reason. How I survived. At the age of 21, Tiffany Johnson was having the time of her life. Travelling Europe on a Kentucky tour, she was waking up in a new place almost every day and making incredible friends along the way. A Kentucky tour is a travel tour mostly aimed, I think, at 18 to 30-year-olds and it's sort of like speed dating for countries. So you hop on a bus and you go around to all the different countries. It's lots and lots of fun and opportunity to meet lots of people. She was spending a lot of time with fellow Aussie 20-year-old Cassandra, who she'd met earlier on the tour in Italy. We were driving through Tuscany amongst fields and fields of sunflowers and we were chatting on the bus and we just hit it off in an instant and we were forever going to be friends. It was, you don't meet many kindred spirits in your life, but I certainly did that day when I met Cassandra. It was July 1999 and their tour had stopped in the beautiful tourist town of Interlaken in Switzerland. Surrounded by the Alps, Interlaken was a world away from the family farm in Australia where Tiffany had grown up. To experience the mountains as closely as she could, Tiffany decided to take part in canyoning as an extracurricular activity. Cassandra decided to stay back in the chalet, so Tiffany boarded a bus with some other travellers, including Cassandra's 21-year-old cousin, Kylie. And I was so excited because I thought, this is a new experience, it's going to be adventurous and fun, and I'm living my best life, this is amazing. And all of the other people that were also going canyoning that day were feeling the same way. We were all excited, we were filled with adrenaline. A lot of the people that were going canyoning thought that it was canoeing. Can I just say, it's not canoeing. Canyoning is where you are in a canyon where there's boulders and there's a water stream flowing through and you use your body to make your way down the streams. You're in harness, wetsuit, helmet. You might uh, use ropes or ladders, um, abseiling type equipment to make your way down through the canyon. And it's lots of fun. It's an adrenaline sport. You are in amongst 
rapids, but it's not supposed to be as dangerous as it was the day that we went. At the top of the canyon, Tiffany and the other travellers, including many friends she'd made on her tour, piled off coaches and she immediately noticed that there was a lot of moisture in the air. I could smell rain. My hair had gone completely frizzy. I have blonde curly hair and as soon as it starts to rain, my hair turns into a golden poodle. And I knew instantly that because of my hair, my human barometer, that there was rain on the way. I just didn't realise that the rain was as close as it was and what that actually meant in that space. We got off our minibus and the guides said to us, we're not 100% sure whether or not we should go in today, but don't worry, there are plenty of exit points along the way and if we need to get out, we can. And we all trusted the guides and so we followed them. Randomly split into four groups, the excited tourists made their way into the canyon to start their adventure. As we got to the first jump in the canyon, I was in the second group. Uh, We could hear the guide slide down the natural water slide and was screaming out yahoos and excitement as he was filled with adrenaline and landed in the water hole below that we couldn't see. I was the last person to do that particular jump and as I sat down on the rocks ready to slide down my body I felt this beautiful cold cold water you've got to remember it's melted snow so it was icy icy cold and it was crystal clear it was the most purest beautiful water I had ever ever seen and it was surrounded in moss and that beautiful giant big green leaves of trees of hanging over our heads. It was just magical. And as I entered into the waterhole down the bottom, I too was excited and filled with adrenaline and we all were. And as I looked around, I could see that everyone was pumped. I hopped out of the waterhole and moved on to the next part. And I looked over and saw in the waterhole that there were little droplets of water on the flat water. So I put my hand out and I felt tiny, tiny little sprinkles of rain, but I trusted the guides. We all trusted the guides and we thought, no, we'll be fine. It's just a sprinkle of rain. But up the top of the mountain, there'd been a horrendous thunderstorm. Little did we know it had broken the natural dam wall that was at the top of the mountain, which was over a kilometre away. And that wall of water was coming for us. A black wall of water was rocketing down the mountainside, tearing down trees and boulders in its path and Tiffany and her friends were unwittingly stood in the path of destruction. We came to this really narrow part of the canyon and it was maybe only a metre wide with huge big boulders on either side of us and we were standing in single file. And I looked down and saw that that beautiful crystal clear waters of before had now turned into a murky muddy brown and rising incredibly fast. And I turned to my friend And I said to her, why is the water rising so fast? And she said, I don't know. In that moment when I spoke those words to her, the water rose from my ankle to my knee within seconds. The guide then yelled out to us, we need to keep moving and we need to move fast. I took that jump, scrambled to the top of the boulder and then without even a second's thought, jumped into the next water hole. As I came up for air, from the buoyancy of my life jacket, there was a guide in the bottom of that waterhole I'd just jumped into waiting for all of us to make our way into it. And he tried to grab my hand. 
as he reached out for me, I reached to him and our hands slid past each other and I was sucked under the water and swept away. And as I was swept away, the wall of water came down and hit all of my friends. Hurtling down the canyon in a huge swell of water, Tiffany didn't know which way was up or down. In that frantic moment, she could hear one voice, that of her dad, Vic, and advice he'd given her once as a kid. I could hear him saying, if ever you're caught in floodwaters, just relax and stay calm. I'd grown up in the country. I was used to floodwaters. We had floods all the time on our farm. And so I knew that my dad's words of wisdom were exactly what I needed and I just surrendered my body to the water and just let go. I was tossed and turned like a you know, front-loaded washing machine. Arms and legs were going everywhere. I was constantly hit by debris, logs. There was mud, leaves and branches and sticks and boulders themselves were being moved from the force of the water. Eventually I was pushed up into a boulder. I'd been trying to grab snippets of air when I could. And in that moment that I'd got pushed up into that boulder, I'm not sure how long I'd been in the water, but it had been a fair period of time. I looked to my right and I saw all my friends' bodies floating face down over the raging rapids. And I knew instantly that they were gone. Scared and alone, Tiffany faced a fight for her life. She could only see a bank of grass to her left, but although only metres away, it was still too far for her to be able to reach in the ferocious current. I knew that if I stayed by that boulder, another massive big branch could hit me in the head and I would instantly drown. I knew that the water was lapping at my chin so violently that the water could keep rising and I would drown within seconds. And I also thought perhaps the water could even knock another boulder down and would crush me and I would, that would be the end. And within that split second of being pushed up against that boulder, I had to make the most important decision of my life and I chose to let go. And I went forward down the canyon with my friends, even though I knew that they were dead. And I got pulled into the water again, like in a washing machine and kept tumbling and tossing and turning. And it came to a point when I thought, that's it. I have no air left. I had grabbed many, many snippets of air as much as I could. But in this moment, I had nothing left. There was absolutely no air left in my lungs. And I prayed. I prayed to God and I prayed to my aunt who had died years before. And I said, please dear God, please Annie, don't let me die. Because if I die, mum won't cope. And whether that was divine angels or a giant gush of water, I don't know what happened, but I was shot up out of the water. My whole body spurted up out of the water. And what I saw in front of me was an absolutely giant waterfall that was at least 20 metres wide. And I was pulled back under again, instantly fell back into the water and went over that waterfall. When Tiffany came back to the surface, she miraculously found herself in a small pool next to the waterfall. Crystal clear and still, 
It didn't seem to be affected by the flood. Tiffany finally felt safe from the mudslide, but she had no idea how she was going to find help. I was exhausted. I had never felt so exhausted in my entire life. I tried to move my legs, but they wouldn't work. And so I tried to move my arms. They would work. And I'd slowly made my way over to the edge to try and climb out. And as I tried to climb out and grab onto the grass, it was so slippery and wet that my hands just kept sliding through the grass. And a pair of feet came to my eyes. This pair of feet grabbed onto my life jacket on my shoulders and tried to pull me up but couldn't. There was a giant big branch stuck through my life jacket so I had to wiggle back down into the water to try and get it out and that was the first time I actually felt scared because I thought the water might come and get me again. So I quickly tried to get out this branch. It was bigger than my arm and finally got it unlodged from my life jacket and he yanked me up and pulled me onto the bank. He was one of my friends. Knowing they needed to get to safety, Tiffany and her friend clambered up the mountainside. They then found two more survivors, with one of them calling out for them to follow him. Adrenaline kicked in. I was like a soldier in combat. Come on, everybody, we need to keep moving or it's going to keep rising and get us. It was now a mudslide and it was incredibly difficult to climb out. We held onto trees or whatever we could hang on to to try and pull ourselves up, back up to the road, back up to safety. When we got up to the road, there was a ledge on the edge of the road to try and help stop avalanches. And the man that was guiding us up to the top of the road yanked me up over the top. And when he looked at my face, he said to me, you're the one I couldn't hang on to. And it was the guide that had tried to grab my hand when I first entered into the water. And he too survived. And we made our way down the road slowly and we were both crying. We were all in shock. And we were getting to what was a rescue scene, but I knew that they were already too late. From start to finish, Tiffany had been dragged seven kilometres downstream. Her ordeal could only have been a couple of hours, but her life had changed forever. As the rescue team mobilised to try and find anyone who was still alive, Tiffany and the survivors who'd got to the top of the mountain with her were loaded into a minivan and taken to Interlaken Hospital. I didn't say anything when I first got there. I was hoping that there were other survivors, but I knew that people had died. I'd seen them. We were taken into this tiny little room underground we knew it was underground because there was a window at the very, very top of the wall and you could see a garden bed. There was dirt and roots and grass and so you could see the edge of, of this garden. And every time a helicopter would come, the grass would wave frantically from the wind from the helicopter and we would all sit there and wait and we would wait for someone to come because we knew that the helicopters were where the canyon was. Two more survivors entered, so there were six survivors in total. And then we waited and we waited and we waited for hours and no one else ever came. Alone, scared and in pain from her injuries, Tiffany experienced the deepest loneliness she'd ever had in her life. Then she saw the familiar face of Cassandra, who she'd bonded with on the Kentucky tour. I've never experienced loneliness like that in my life and I don't ever want to ever again. And then Cassandra came round the corner and then she saw me 
and she came racing to my side and held my hand and said, it's going to be okay. And it was a moment that I needed a friend really badly. Knowing the awful disaster was going to cause a huge media storm, nurses from the hospital gave each of the survivors three minutes to call their loved ones back home to tell them they were safe. I remember calling my dad and it was two o'clock in the morning back in Australia and he answered the phone and said, hello, possum. And I said to him, they're all dead, I'm alive. And he said, what are you talking about? Who's dead? And then I spoke to my mum and very briefly and then I was pulled off the phone. The next day, the terrible truth was confirmed. 21 people had been killed in the flood. Only six had survived. Among the dead was Cassandra's cousin, Kylie. But there was still confusion about the identities of everyone who died. Released from hospital, Tiffany went back to her chalet. When we got back to the chalet, we were greeted by all of our other friends from the tour and we were still trying to work out who had actually died. It was a massive big problem for Swiss authorities because most of the people that perished were from other countries and they didn't have any records of them. It affected South Africa, Great Britain, Switzerland, New Zealand and Australia. I was incredibly angry after everything had happened. When we were back in the chalet, I shut down. Lots of different people dealt with the raw emotions in all different ways. Some people were angry and yelling. Other people just couldn't stop crying. Some people just closed down. I was one of the quiet, closed-down ones. And why had I been left? I had incredibly bad survivor's guilt and I suffered terrible post-traumatic stress disorder. Boarding a plane three days later, Tiffany was told by hospital staff that her injuries were just scrapes and bruising and that she didn't have any broken bones. After crying the whole way home, she arrived at Sydney Airport and into the arms of her parents. My dad gave me a big hug when he saw me and and then my mum saw me and she just always remembers that moment when she saw my feet that were just black and that's twice the size of what they normally are and how incredibly sore and fragile I was. I was in an incredibly bad mental space. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just did not want to be on this earth anymore. As well as being mentally broken, after a hospital visit, Tiffany found out she actually had four broken ribs, a broken tibia and a dislocated jaw that hadn't been picked up during the medical checks in Switzerland. After being treated, she physically started to heal but couldn't shake off the feeling that she should have died that day too. So her mum decided to call on Cassandra. My mother had never met Cassandra because we'd met when we were in Europe and the only person I would talk about or talk to on the phone was Cassandra. And my mum rang Cassandra. She was living in a different state to me and my mother said, you don't know me, I'm Tiffany's mum and I don't know what to do. I think we need your help. She won't get out of bed. She won't talk to me. She won't talk to any of her family. And if any, ever she says anyone's name, it's only yours. Will you please come and stay with us and help me get my girl back on her feet? And Cassandra had literally just come from Kylie's funeral. She packed her bag and she hopped on a plane within a matter of three hours and was by my door. And she helped me 
She helped me get back to life. As well as talking things through with Cassandra, Tiffany went to see a doctor who diagnosed her with post-traumatic stress disorder and she sought professional help. They advised her to start writing a journal and slowly she began to recover. Then, six months after the accident, she met her now husband, David. He makes me laugh every day. He is my rock. We have two beautiful children and we focus really hard on living our best life and our being brave in our life. We've, uh, we've been married now for 16 years and uh, every day is a blessing that I have David in my life. In 2001, six employees of Adventure World who had organised the canyoning trip were found guilty of negligent manslaughter for allowing the trip to go ahead and they were given suspended jail sentences. Two guides who survived the tragedy were acquitted because the judge ruled it was not their responsibility to call off the trip. The legal proceedings were incredibly stressful for me. I never believed that the guides should have been charged because guides died that day and they desperately tried to rescue everybody. Had they known what they were about to face, then they would never, ever, ever have gone. They would never have risked their lives. They would never have risked everybody else's life. And so the guides got off and I personally felt incredibly grateful for that because I never, ever believed that it was their fault. On the 20th anniversary of the Interlaken disaster, on July 27, 2019, Tiffany bravely decided to make a trip to Switzerland and return to where she'd looked death in the eyes and survived. I rang Cassandra and I said, I think we have to go back. And if I go back, please, will you come back with me? And she agreed. Being back in that place that changed my life forever was incredibly healing, more than I could have ever imagined. I felt so at peace. I wasn't probably expecting that. When I first was on the plane and we were flying into Zurich and my children said, Mummy, Mummy, look at the look at the window, look at the mountains. And as I looked out the window and saw the beautiful Alps in the distance, I just could not stop crying. I was terrified. After overcoming her PTSD and learning coping mechanisms for how to deal with her survivor's guilt, Tiffany wrote a book, Brave Enough Now, to help others going through trauma. I still use a lot of the tools that they taught me then. I still use them 20 years later, like the journaling. I always had journaled, but it was a really important moment in my life when I was journaling and I had to write down everything that happened that day. And that's what led me to writing my book, Brave Enough Now, because I am brave enough now. My take from what happened to me that day is absolutely to live your best life. And I simply love sharing my story I want to inspire people to go and live their best life as tragic and as traumatic as my experience was. I truly believe that we can all listen to our intuition, do what we think is right for ourselves and make the most of every single day and live our best and bravest life, no matter what that looks like for you. This will be our last episode for season three. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in the new year with the very best, most inspiring survival stories.
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.